Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I am James Barty in Washington. Today is Monday, November 28th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. M23 rebels refuse to withdraw from occupied areas as the DRC peace talks set to resume in Kenya today, Monday. The rebels say they do not want to give in to pressure from the East African community. They also want to avoid the same fate they experienced 10 years ago. Kenya's opposition rallies to support election commission dissidents. Uganda's vice president updates the nation on Ebola situation. Iranian Pakistani hostages are freed in Somalia. Supporters say former Ivory Coast militia leaders return would enhance national reconciliation. Malawi's anti-corruption bureau says politics had no role in vice president's arrest. We are a professional body, so there's nothing political that we do. We just follow where the evidence leads us. And a decisive week this week for Africa at the Qatar FIFA World Cup. Those stories, plus Samson O'Malley sports, are all coming up on Daybreak Africa. The M23 rebels are accused of violating calls for a ceasefire in the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Those calls were made at a recent summit of African leaders in Luanda. Fighting between the mostly Tutsi rebels and the government of the DRC is continuing, and the group still maintains its position contrary to the resolution issued by the talks. Reporter Zanem Neti Zaidi in Goma has details. The ultimatum given to the rebels for a ceasefire and a withdrawal from their conquered positions expired Friday at 6 p.m. local time. The rebels say they do not want to give in to pressure from the East African community. They also want to avoid the same fate they experienced 10 years ago. Major Willingoma is the M23's spokesman for the rebellion. He says that in 2012, when the rebel movement had taken the town of Goma, the government had asked them to withdraw, and they did just that. But then the Congolese armed forces attacked them and pushed them back to Uganda. Now they are living with all their families in the conquered areas. Goma says they cannot withdraw because they are nowhere to go. In a statement signed on Friday, the M23 reiterated that the unilateral ceasefire they launched in April is still in effect and that they are not responding to offensives launched against them by the Congolese army. Major Willingoma says that since April, the M23 has always wanted dialogue along with the unilateral ceasefire against government forces. According to him, it is the Congolese army that is violating the peace. The army comes to attack them, and when they do, the M23 defends themselves. He says they do not want war and they are ready for dialogue, but he says it's the government that does not want any tax. The government, for its part, says it does not negotiate with terrorists. It prefers to negotiate with Rwanda, who it says is supporting the M23. It's a change also supported by some researchers at the UN, but denied by Kigali. 
Now it remains to be seen whether the EAC Regional Military Force will go on the offensive as planned by the summit of heads of state in Luanda if the rebels remain stubborn. Zanem Netizaidi in Goma for VOA Africa. A spokesperson for Malawi's anti-corruption bureau says politics had no role in the arrest of Vice President Solos Chelima. The vice president was arrested last Friday and charged with corruption. He was granted bail with certain conditions, including an order not to leave the country without a court order. President Lastro Chakwera stripped the vice president of some of his constitutional duties earlier this year. A spokesperson for Chelima's United Transformation Movement Party told VOA the allegations were based on an incomplete report and therefore politically motivated. Anti-Corruption Bureau spokesperson Egrita Mdala tells me Vice President Chalema was arrested on allegations he received bribes worth $280,000 to award government contract to Zunef Sata, a British-based business person. He is suspected to have uh, received an advantage, the sums of money amounting to $280,000 and uh, some things in order to influence the award of contract to companies that are belonging to Mr. Sata. He was taken to court where he was charged, and uh, he has been granted bail awaiting prosecution. Yes, he has been granted bail. I've spoken to some people who say this might be politically motivated. No, there's nothing political about it. As you people are aware, we have been conducting investigations and this is not the first arrest. There have been a number of arrests that have been done before him. What we've been doing is that uh, when an element about a certain contract is con- we conclude, we get evidence that there's uh, a case that somebody is suspected to have done. There's evidence we have arrested. And that's why it's noted that we've arrested a number of people before him in connection with the same cases. So there's nothing political about it. There are some people that have that were public officers that arrested in connection to the same matter, and uh, there's nothing political about it. The Anti-Corruption Bureau has no political affiliation. It's a public body that works to serve the interests of the public, and we, we are a professional body. So there's nothing political that we do. We just follow where the evidence leads us. When we receive an allegation of corrupt practice, we investigate and when there's evidence that someone has indeed engaged in a corruptive practice, I think there's nothing else that we can do but to follow what the law says, which is to prosecute the person. So you say he has been granted bail. Uh, did you challenge the bill or it was granted by the judge? It was granted by the court and uh, he has been given some conditions that he has to comply with. What are the conditions? One condition that I, I, I can remember off the cuff is that he's been ordered to be reporting to our offices once every month, every three months. He'll be coming to report for his bill and there are other conditions as well. It's kind of strange, Agrita. The vice president and the president all campaigned together against corruption and now he's being arrested? What we're saying is we have investigated. We found evidence and we arrested. Not because he's the vice president. We've arrested because there's this. An allegation of corruption that we have investigated and there's evidence that to that effect. So we haven't arrested him because he's a vice president. We've arrested him because he's a suspect of corruption. Greta, thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for calling. Greta Mdala is the spokesperson for Malawi's Anti-Corruption Bureau. She was speaking with us from the Malawi capital, Lilongwe. 
Kenya's opposition leader, Raila Odinga, has declared that he will be holding a series of rallies to gather support for several commissioners of the electoral body that are facing removal from office. Four of them rejected the results of the August presidential elections, declared by Wafula Chibukati, the chairman of the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission, IEBC. In that poll, Odinga lost to President William Ruto, Odinga is still complaining that the vote was rigged and that the current administration prevailed through electoral malpractice. Maureen Ojiambo reports. The Parliamentary Justice and Legal Affairs Committee is expected to grill today the four accused who will appear before them. They include members of IABC Justice Nyangaya, Irene Masit, and Francis Wanderi, as well as Juliana Cherera, the Vice Chairperson of the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission. In a petition filed asking for their removal, they have been accused of violating the integrity of the board by rejecting the presidential elections. In their defense, opposition leader Elodinga is accusing the government for maliciously targeting the four. As you know that uh, this regime, which came into power through the rigging of the elections, is now hell-bent in trying to send home the commissioners who stood firm on the uh, platform of the truth. And we have said that this is not going to be acceptable. And therefore we have said we are going to consult widely with the people of Kenya. We will begin in Nairobi on Wednesday at Kamkunji grounds to ask them if they accept that these commissioners should go home. The petitioner also says that the officials acted in a manner that degrades the office they hold, contrary to Article 75 of the Constitution. Article 251 of the 2010 Kenya's Constitution states that commissioners can only be removed through a petition filed in the National Assembly and a tribunal formed by the president. Odinga says the government is meddling in the independence of the IABC. The people of Kenya will not accept it because it is now known worldwide that these people lost elections badly and that they told these elections. But now we cannot accept that they will, on top of that they will add insult to injury by sending away these other commissioners. An independent electoral commission is the referee, cannot be appointed by a player. On the other hand, Kenya's Deputy President Rigathi Gashagwa has criticized the opposition's agenda of holding demos in defense of the four. Gashagwa, whose speech directly targeted Odinga, asked him to bring back his daughter, who was asked to return home to lead demonstrations. She was recently appointed as a Kenyan representative to the East African Legislative Assembly. The same people are asking the people of Kenya to go back to the streets because Parliament is doing its work and is an independent institution. The people of Kenyans are telling them if they want the people of Kenya to go to the streets, they must lead by example. If you want street protests, it is okay. But for them to take place, let your daughter come from Arusha, let your son come from Arusha, and physically lead the demonstrations, and the rest of Kenyans can follow. The four commissioners will learn their fate when the Parliamentary Committee presents a report on whether President William Ruto should form a tribunal to prove their case or not. Reporting for VOS Daybreak Africa, I am Moreno Jimbo in Sacramento, California. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I am James Barty in Washington. Today is Monday, November 28th. Still to come on our program, Samson O'Malley Sports.
the government of Uganda says it is impressed with the country's efforts in the fight against the Ebola virus. Uganda's Vice President Jessica Alupo this weekend addressed the nation and delivered President Museveni's message. She said although it is too early to celebrate, various districts have spent days without reports of additional Ebola cases. Reporter Mugumi Davis-Rakarinji has more from Kampala. Uganda's Vice President Jessica Alupo delivered the government's message this weekend and said the number of cases has significantly dropped in the past two weeks, including in the epicenter districts of Mubende and Kassanda. She said they have not had a case of Ebola for the last 13 days. The districts of Mubende and Kassanda have only gone 13 and 15 days respectively without a case and there are 23 people in quarantine in Mubende, while in Kassanda, there are 102 contacts under follow-up. Uganda's Minister of Health says since September, Ebola has claimed at least the lives of 51 people. Alupo said the government has managed to prevent its further spread to other districts. But she quickly said it's too soon to celebrate because of the intubation period of the virus. This situation is still fragile. Without completing 21 days as we saw with Mubende, a case can pop up anywhere. It is therefore important that we complete the entire cycle, which will bring us to 17th December. Last month, the government introduced a lockdown in affected districts to prevent further spread of the hemorrhagic fever. Dr. Samuel Eledu is the head of Uganda Medical Association. He says with the Christmas season setting in, all citizens must be sensitized about the disease. We ask Ugandans at this time to be proactive at such a time because this is a very critical moment where movements are massive, where people are moving from one place to another, and we need them to be involved to protect others. There is no vaccine for Sudanese variant of Ebola, but simple practices like hand washing and avoiding contact with affected people and with wild animals such as birds and primates may help prevent the disease. For VOA News, I am Mugume, Davis Rwakarinjini Kampala, Uganda. The Ivory Coast supporters of former militia leader Blake Goudé and an ally of former President Laurent Babo say his return home will contribute tremendously to the ongoing national reconciliation process. Goudé was acquitted by the International Criminal Court in 2019 of crimes against humanity during Ivory Coast post-election violence from 2010 to 2011. His return home on Saturday followed that of former President Laurent Babo in June of 2021. Gian Semibi is the North America representative of Blake Goudet's Pan-African Congress for Justice and Equality People Party. First of all, I really want to thank everybody, political leader, society leader, everybody who worked for Blake Goudet to come back to his country. And that return is under the reconciliation in our, in our course. You know, the reconciliation is a process. We know we, we get to a certain level but it's not completed. So with Blegude back home, we think that it's going to be a very good help for the reconciliation between our people to put everybody together to build a real great nation where we could accept our differences, political differences, religion differences, 
and ethnic differences because like like that we could build a really nation. Talking about reconciliation, it did not seem that Blake Goodell was in the mood to reconcile. He sounded kind of uh, angry based on comments I read. Why do you think he would be angry? No, first of all, he's on the mood of reconciliation. He has never stopped talking about reconciliation, peace for our equals. We have to learn from the war we had in 2010-2011. We have to get a lesson from that and make a change and now see people differently, see situation differently. We have different sort of view of situation, but not going to get to the point where we have war, where we have to kill each one because we have different point of view. He's on the mood of reconciliation. He said he was angry because some of, of our former you know, partners used to tell him that he's a threat because he didn't follow them. But he has his own political party. So why they come to tell him that he's a threat? That was Dion Semibi, the North America representative of Blake Goodes Pan-African Congress for Justice and Equality of People Party. He was speaking with us from Boston, Massachusetts. This week promises to be a decisive one at the Qatar FIFA World Cup for the indomitable Lions of Cameroon, Africa champions, the Lions of Taringa of Senegal, and the Ghana Black Stars. Senegal has won one game and lost one. Cameroon lost its first game and will play its second game today, Monday. Ghana will also take the pace when it takes on South Korea. But first, we begin with Morocco's stunning defeat yesterday of world number two ranked Belgium. And joining us now from Accra, Ghana, is viewers Jackson Vungangi. James, you know, this is a World Cup of surprises, you know. Japan beats Germany, then, it, you know, it's beaten by Costa Rica. Argentina gets beaten by Saudi Arabia. And now Morocco just stuns everyone by beating number two ranked Belgium. I mean, James, what more are we to expect, Chale, as they say here in Ghana? <laughs> it would have been three goals hadn't it been for that VAR denying them that goal, which was uh, ruled an offside. Anyways, this win means that Morocco will take over the top spot in the Group F table. Apart from the World Cup being a World Cup of chances, I want to say that uh, Morocco seemed to have been the better team. Absolutely, absolutely. They were a better team there and they showed it on the, on the field today. They brought talent, they brought stamina, they brought, you know, their strategy. Everything seemed to be working for them in this game. Of course, Jackson, today, Monday, is another important day for Africa when the indomitable Lions of Cameroon take on Serbia and uh, Ghana take on South Korea. Absolutely. Today, the match of the day for most of Africa will be the Ghana versus South Korea game. Now, both teams are in the group H and they will be fighting hard for their first win. Remember, Ghana lost narrowly to Portugal, uh, a team that is ranked number nine in the world. And that match could have gone either way, gents. And many say that if it wasn't for that penalty awarded to Ronaldo in the opening minutes, that, you know, the Black Stars had the potential to win the match. Now, remember, they were the first African team to score two goals in this tournament. On the other hand, South Korea really looked solid when they drew with Uruguay. For the Black Stars, they really need this win if they are to avoid an early exit from this tournament. Now, both Serbia and Cameroon, another match that you mentioned, uh, they need this win. Remember, they both lost their opening matches in their Group G, and so it is crunch time for both of them 
This is a very crucial game. Jackson, thank you so much again. We look forward to speaking with you after those games. Thank you so much, James. Good to talk to you. That was VU's Jackson Bunganyi speaking with us from the Ghanaian capital, Accra. It is time now for Daybreak Africa Sports. And here is Samson O'Malley in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Monday morning to you, Samson. Good Monday morning to you too, James. We begin the sport with the latest news from the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Morocco jeopardized Belgium's World Cup hopes as Abdulhamid Sabiri and Zakaria Abukalal's late goals secured a surprise 2-0 triumph in Doha on Sunday. Belgium, third in Russia four years ago, could have qualified for the last 16 but instead produced a late lecture display after their fortunate opening win over Canada. This was how a Moroccan fan reacted to the victory of the Atlas Lions shortly after the game in Doha. It's an amazing experience to be here, to win here. Belgium is a great team. Honestly, they did a great game, but oh, happily for us, we won. And now we still got to stay focused to win against Canada and take it all the way. Cameroon and Ghana will hope to emulate fellow African team Morocco when they play their second group game on Monday. Cameroon will meet Sabia, who are bottom of the group after a 2-0 loss to pre-tournament favourite Brazil, while Cameroon's 1-0 defeat by Switzerland means the African side are still seeking their first victory after World Cup finals since 2002. The Blast Stars of Ghana is looking for the first win of the tournament after a painful defeat in their opener against Portugal. The West Africans will meet Korea Republic in the afternoon kickoff on Monday in the must-win match to keep their hopes of staying in the tournament alive. Black Stars coach is Otto Addo. We will see the same passion which they showed the last game. Um, this I'm 100% sure is a big stage. Um, everybody's hungry to play. Um, training good, making, making it difficult for me to make decisions and really, really looks good. And uh, they will show it, I'm sure. Away from the FIFA World Cup now, Kenya's Rugby Sevens launched a public appeal for donations on Sunday, claiming the team has not been paid in months and players badly needed money ahead of several international marches. A number of Suja stars shared the fundraiser on social media and described a desperate situation in which players were eating into their savings to cover daily costs. The appeal comes as Kenya prepares for the Dubai Sevens series on December 2 to 3 and Cape Town fixture on December 9 to 11. And finally, in basketball news, Ugandan City Oliers took the last ticket to the Basketball African League 2023 after beating Urunani in the third place playoff game. In the road to the Basketball African League Elite 16 division, East Group F at the Ellis Park Arena in Johannesburg on Sunday. The Oilers won the game 71-62. The win over Orunani is a sweet revenge for the Oilers who lost to the Burundian club in the preliminary qualifiers last month in Tanzania. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James, in Washington. Thank you, Samson. Have a very good Monday. And that's it for this Monday, November 20th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for beginning your week with us. For more Africa news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube, where you can watch our TV shows, Africa 54, Straight Talk Africa, and Red Carpet. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa team, I am James Barty, Washington, wishing that you will have a great week. 
Hello, I'm Douglas Simpoga, host of VOA's Reporters Roundtable. Join us every Thursday as we discuss important African topics and events. I'll have a panel of African journalists and expert guests to discuss the topic at hand. We take a deeper look at important after news topics. That's Reporters Roundtable every Thursday at 17.30 UTC, right here on VOA Africa. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music, from bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Dumbolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and 2005 UTC.